couple of times and what little bit we did last Sunday. I want you to open your Bible to Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. That's where we're looking to today for a text. I want you to stand with me and read this with me this morning as we read together. My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my command. Y'all read with me, okay? That's what this is about. For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. So shall thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Let's pray. Father, how we thank you today for your word. And Lord, as we look into your word today, I pray, Lord, that the Holy Spirit of God come. Take control of this vessel. I pray for revelation and understanding that I've never seen before. And I pray that you help me bring up the things that you've shown me in times past, Father. And then, Lord, I pray that for the spirit of wisdom and revelation flowing through the congregation this morning, Lord, that the eyes of all of us' understanding would be open, that we may be able to hear with our ears, see with our eyes, and believe in our hearts, Lord, the things of Almighty God. And we thank you for it right now. In Jesus' name I pray. And together we said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. As we've talked about favor, uh, being highly favored, um, this week I thought I'd look up what favor meant. And we think, you know, well, it's, you know, the ice cream I like best. Well, that's the favorite. All right? Uh, or it's the pair of shoes I like to wear the best. Well, that's that's the favorite. And you favor those shoes by wearing them. You favor the ice cream by eating it because it's your favorite. And uh, I heard a preacher say one time that he went in a pastor's office and said behind his head there, behind the pastor's head, was a sign that said that God loves everybody, but I'm his favorite. So... So sometimes I feel that way. I know I make statements a lot of times that, that I believe I'm the most blessed person on the face of this earth. The most blessed person I know. And, and uh, of course, we can all feel that way, but there's times that I just say, Lord, I thank you for loving and blessing everybody, but I just feel like I'm your favorite right now, just for this moment of time. Because God, in a moment of time, comes and speaks a word touches our heart, ministers to us in such a way that it seems like that all of heaven, the vastness of all of heaven is just channeled right down, right to us at that moment. And that makes me feel like His favorite. You all know what I'm talking about. I mean, it just seems like it all just opens up to us. But the word favor is an act of kindness beyond what is due or usual. You know, uh, we all say, well, God loves us all. And God does love every person on the face of this earth. His Word declares that. But until you come to and make Jesus Lord of your life, what, like what Brother Gary was talking about, you're never able to understand that love and experience that love. But then it's not a one-day thing, like he said. It's, it's a life that we learn how to live and that we adapt and grow into. And that's the, the same thing we're talking about, favor. Is that, that every person that is born again has received or is walking in the favor of God 
But the problem is we allow things to keep us from understanding that and enjoying the favor of God. Folks, things don't just happen good for you because you wake up today, okay? There's some things on our part, and, I, and I'm not talking about something legalistic. I'd, I'd, I'd fear to do that now after the devotion we had. But, but, there's, but once we're saved, there, do, there, do, there does come in some responsibilities and things on our behalf that we need to do. But here's the thing of it. We need to look at it from the standpoint that I'm so thankful for this because of what Jesus did for me, that I want to do what I can to please the Lord. And, and the Word of God teaches us that when we set ourselves to that, then we're able to experience the favor of God that's all around us, that's, that's all here. It's just like the air we breathe. You know, everybody has the ability to breathe the same air, but then from now, from time to time, I see people that has to be on an oxygen tank, and they're not able to enjoy the air like you and I do. And that's not a put down to nobody, but it's just the way that we are as Christians. There's so many times that we end up having to have something else to try to get us through whenever the favor of God is right there to do it for us. And all we, we need to do is to learn to walk into that. See, one, one thing that we need to understand about favor, favor doesn't keep us from tribulation. It don't keep us from problems. It don't keep us from difficulties. Just because we say that I have the favor of God and I walk in the favor of God don't mean that there's nothing that is ever going to take place bad, no kind of problems, no kind of situations in your work, your family, or anything else that's going to happen. But what the favor of God does, it equips us to stand and overcome in the evil day. Because you're in the favor of God doesn't mean that you're not going to be tempted. But thank God, because of the favor of God, He said that He will not allow us to be tempted above that we're able to bear. But will, with the temptation, also make a way of escape that we may be able to bear it. James said, Blessed is the man that endureth. And that word endure there has the connotation of standing and overcoming that temptation because he said, When he has overcome, he shall receive the crown of life. When we stand, then folks, the favor of God is there all around us. Now what I want to do with this Proverbs, these, first, these few verses that we looked at here and some others, I want us to talk about some things that gets us down to verse 4. Verse 4 says that when we do these things, then we will have favor and good understanding in the sight of God and in man, in the sight of man. So let's look at these things. In, in verse 1 of Proverbs chapter 3, he says, My son, so we're going to make that to where it didn't include all of us, my children, all right? I'm not trying to rewrite the Bible, but we're all children of God. And it, Proverbs is not written just for men, even though there's a lot of things in Proverbs men could benefit from if they would take it as just written just for them, okay? Uh, and we're going to talk about some of those. I want you to notice what he said. The first thing he says is forget not. Don't forget. Don't forget. And it, and it shows the importance of being in the Word of God. Why does he say don't forget? Don't forget my law. At that time, the only books that they had that was put together as a book, as the Word of God, was what we call the Torah, the, uh, the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. 
And, and as a matter of fact, the word law here is the Hebrew word Torah for that. And, and so they had this, and this is what they were taught. You know, this is the same book that God told Joshua in Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. He said, this book of the law, and that's what he was talking about was that, shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt but meditate in it day and night, that thou shalt may observe to do all that is written therein. Then thou shalt make thy way prosperous and have good success. So this is what he, he said. Now, there's a purpose and a reason that we don't want to forget what's in the book. And we're going to talk about how to get the book, not just be in the book, but get the book in you in just a minute. But he said, don't forget, it shows the importance of being there. And, and here's the thing about it. In this particular setting, it's talking about don't forget my word and my commandments in a time of trouble and a time of temptation. See, it's easy to understand the Word of God. It's easy to, yeah, I, I believe that. Yeah, I go along with that. Whenever things are going good, it's not like a whole lot of other things we talk about. But it's, but it's when there's a time of temptation and a time of trouble, folks, we need the Word of God then for sure. We need it all the time. But I need, in, in a time of trouble, I need to know that God is with me, that God cares for me, that He loves me. And the only way I'm going to know that, I'm not going to know that from somebody's testimony. I mean, that's good, and I hear what God did for them. But I need to come back to the Word that talks about how that God will be with me in a time of trouble. How that He will watch over me when problems are, are going left and right. How that He will take care of my every situation. And especially in a time of temptation. You need the Word of God. Now, if you're not ever tempted, then that's fine. You know, you don't have to worry about this. Uh, but all of you are still breathing. And because you're breathing, I know that you have trouble with temptation just like I do. Well, you're the pastor. You're not supposed to have trouble with temptation. Well, look, I can take consolation in knowing that I have problems about temptation because Jesus had them. He was tempted at all points like as we are. But there was a difference. He did it without sin. Why? Did he do it without sin because he was the Son of God? No. If you'll read in Matthew chapter 4 and in Luke chapter 4, you'll find out how Jesus overcame those temptations. Now, if my voice gets a high pitch to it every now and then, I'm not going through puberty. <clears throat> it's just this thing has got sometimes that it does that. <laughs> so, and it keeps you paying attention. Anyway... But when Jesus was tempted, he did not look at the devil and say, Look, forget it, Jack. It's over with. I'm the Son of God. No. Because the devil said, If you're the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. And what did Jesus say? It is written. It, what was he talking about was written? It was written in the law, in the Torah, in the Pentateuch. It was written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That came right from the book of Deuteronomy. So he, every time he came into a temptation situation, he used the word of God to overcome that situation with. So you see why it's important. Young people, why it's important that the things that you get a hold of, from the word of God, it's important to hold on to those things. And the writer of Ecclesiastes said this to the youth. He said, Remember now thy Creator in the days of thy youth, when your days are full of joy and happiness. Why? Because there's going to come a time in your life that you're going to need that relationship with the Lord more than you ever have at any other time. There's going to be a time, uh, people, when your relationship with the Lord is going to be put to test. 
more than it's ever been put to test. There's going to be a time when situations are going to come up and you're going to have to make decisions. And, and, and whenever you make those decisions, if you have the Word of God in you, you're going to be able to make those decisions in a way that will glorify God and give you a happy, wonderful, full life. Amen? Now, he said, forget not my law. Don't lay it down in a time of trouble or temptation. Then in verse 2 he says, for length of days, I like, I like that part there where it talks about length of days. The, the actual Hebrew rendering of that right there is forever days. Forever days. Just think about that. Have you ever heard of forever and ever? How, you know, young, young girls say to a young boy, do you love me? Oh, I'll always love you. I'll love you forever and forever. And, and it goes along with, with fairy tales. Now, I'm not a big fairy tale person. And the way they're redoing fairy tales, I'm absolutely not a fairy tale person. I mean, when they can take a great literature epic like Beauty and the Beast and make it into something ugly like the house, how can you tolerate Disney coming into your house anymore at all? I'm sorry, that's my opinion. All right. Okay. Move, moving right along. Forever. Fairy tales. And they live happily ever after. Happily. How do I live happily ever after? With all the stuff that's going on in this world, I do that by learning how to walk in the favor of God. And when problems are there, I deal with those problems, I go through with those problems, but it does not kill the joy and happiness in my life. And then he said, length of days and long life. Long life means whole age. The whole age that you're supposed to live. Now there's a lot of dispute about that. Some people say, well, 70, you know, all we're promised is 70 years and maybe 80. Well, if you go back to what God said in the day of Noah, why would those people that were such sinful, ugly, bad people have something better than what me and you have as children of God? Because God said, said, said the days of man only be 120 years. Why do we want to die before we're supposed to? Oh, but everybody has a day appointed. You know, I believe that there's a day that we're going to go home to be with Jesus. Right? But I don't think I need to live my life waiting. Was this the day? Is this? Now, you know, I want to know that if, it's, if this is the day, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. But folks, I remember when, when I had, had to have that pacemaker put in, and I thought I was dying that night, and I believe I was. I said to God, I said, God, if this is it, okay, you know, let's go. But I do want to remind you, sir, there's some things that you have shown me and given me in my life that have not yet been accomplished. And the Lord came and touched me, and all the pain and everything I had was gone. It, it lifted from me and was gone right then. And, and folks, I've not slowed down. And, and, and the pacemaker they put in is hard to ever be in. I talked to a guy the other night, and he said, man, if they didn't have my pacemaker on 60, I wouldn't be able to get up and walk. I said, well, that's what they got mine on, but it hard to ever kick in. Now, what I'm saying is this. I believe that there's a day that I'm going to leave this earth. But I believe it's not going to be until my work's done. I got David for an example. 
Not this David. I mean, he's a pretty good example in things, I guess. He's funny. But anyhow, <laughs> I like to spend time with him. But, but King David, in, uh, if you look in First Chronicles chapter 29 and verse 28, did I write that down, brother? There it is right there. I couldn't remember. And he died in a good old age, talking about David. He died in a good old age. This is what it says, full of days. Whole life. Not old life. Whole age, not old age. But, but he said that he died in a good old age, full of days. He lived every day that God had intended for him to live on this earth. And when he got done, he just died. Abraham was the same way. In Genesis chapter 25, verse 8. And this is part of the blessing of Abraham, folks. You remember in in Galatians chapter 3, it said that Christ became a curse for us on the tree that the blessing of Abraham might come upon us. The blessing of Abraham. And here's part of the blessing of Abraham. And it says that Abraham gave up the ghost and died in a good old age, an old man and full of years, and was gathered to his people. And people trying to get out of here before it's time. If Jesus comes, I'm ready to go. Right? But folks, listen. Here's another thing about this forever life. Is that my life is not going to end when they put this body in a hole in the ground. It's not going to end. I, I, I'm not going to get eternal life then. Folks, I got eternal life on April 2nd, 1969. I entered into eternal life that day. Only thing I'm going to do when they put this body in a hole in the ground, if it goes that way, is I'm going to the ultimate life. Because I don't care how good it is on this earth, how many blessings of the Lord you and I are able to enjoy, it's nothing like what heaven's going to be. I mean, and I don't know if this is a good way to say it, but I believe that the best day on this earth, the best day that you could live, the best day, I'm talking about better than even this moment right now, the moment that we've enjoyed, the best day on this earth will nowhere come close to being compared to even if there's such a thing as the worst day in heaven. But there's not going to be a worst day in heaven. Think about that. Now listen, folks. God, God desires that not only do we live a long time on this earth, but that we live forever with Him through eternity. And I want to throw this in right there too so I can balance out this, this thought about living with Him eternally. If you leave this earth without making Jesus Lord of your life, do you know that you're going to live eternally dying? As long as I'm living, living in heaven... People are going to die, live dying eternally in hell in the lake of fire. I don't want that part. I don't want to go that way. Just to have what I think is, a, is my way of living on this earth, folks, is going to end up being the way of dying in eternity. I want His way of living in my life on this earth so that when I leave this earth, I just move right on over into His way of eternal living. Amen? Then he said not only that, but in verse 2 he said, Peace, well, means you'll be well, happy, friendly, healthy, prosperous, and at peace. Then in verse 3, he said, Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. 
Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. Now, mercy and truth. Boy, I thought about that and had a couple of, of uh, startling revelations that came about that. Mercy here is talking about your dealings with other people. We all want the mercy of God, but then we're quick not to show mercy, right? Isn't that the, isn't that the way we are? Oh, God, thank you for your mercy and your blessings on me. Go get it your own self there. I ain't got nothing to give you. I'm not even going to pray for it. Now, mercy is my dealings with other people. See, the Word of God says that you as a child of God, if you've got this world's goods or the things of this life, and you see your brother or sister destitute, and you don't do nothing to try to help them, then you don't have the faith of God. One place he said you don't even have the love of God. And we definitely don't have mercy. We don't, we don't show mercy so many times when somebody wrongs us and then wants us to forgive them. We come up with this thing, well, I won't never forget it. Now, y'all don't shout me down. I'm preaching good because we know we get that way. Do you know that the Word of God has never told you to forget a wrong done to you? It told you to come to the point where it don't matter that it happened. God don't forget. Oh, but don't God cast it in the sea of His forgetfulness? You know, I've looked all through the Word of God and I've not found the geographical location of God's sea of forgetfulness yet. Now, it says that God cast them into the depths of the sea never to be remembered against you again. And when we think about that kind of a forgiveness, see, it's not that God forgets. It's, God, it's just God chooses not to remember. I like that better. Because if we say that God forgets, it could show a quality defect. But if we say that God chooses not to remember, it shows His love and mercy. So you see, that when, when people wrong us, or we, we wrong God, then we want God to forgive us and act like it never happened. But when people hurt us and harm us and do us wrong, then we want to hold it against them. Have you ever read Matthew chapter 5, verse 7? I believe you have. But if you hadn't, we're going to read it right now. What does this say? Blessed are the merciful. Why? For they shall obtain mercy. If we want people to show us mercy, then we've got to be a people that shows other people mercy. We got to, if we want people to make an allowance for us, then we've got to make allowance for other people. We've got to realize that not everybody is as perfect as we are individually. Right? I mean, you know, I, you look at me and you say, well, preacher, you're not perfect. How well I know it. But I'm looking back at you. But here's the thing about it. I, I'm going to accept you imperfections and all. Why? Because I want you to accept me imperfections and all. I want you to say, you know, I will. Preach, you may preach hours sometime, but you're a pretty good preacher. I'm trying to cut it down. I'm trying to get it back to 55 minutes. Mercy. In your dealings with others. And then truth, mercy and truth. He said, let them not forsake thee. You know, let, let have them 
with you all the time. See, forsake means to lay them down. It don't, it's not something that mercy and truth does to let me down. It's something I do to let, lay mercy and truth down. Hey, when I can lay down my character to do something that's not a godly character, I didn't have much character to begin with. That's like I've heard folks say, man, I'm going to lay my Christianity down and I'm going to clean you up. You ain't got no Christianity to lay down. If, you gotta, if you're to a point in life to where you can pull it off and lay it down and do whatever you want to, you ain't got much to put off. You're running around nearly naked to begin with as far as Christianity goes. Folks, there's been times in my life that I've missed it. I mean just in relation to dealing with other people. I've missed it. And acted ugly. Acted stupid. Many times. Me and Mark was working together on a job in hospital one day, and I got so aggravated at the framing foreman, man, I was ready to clean his plow and told him so. <laughs> that was even before I knew Dennis. <laughs> But I told that guy so. And after I told him so, that bothered me so bad, and I walked off down to the Porta John and made that Porta John a prayer room. And I prayed, Father, forgive me for acting such a way as this. Lord, I need your grace, and I need your mercy. And I want to go back and be able to tell that man that I love him and apologize to him. do this, but I know it's what i got to do. And I walked that hundred yards back up to the building where we were working and went and looked that man up. And by the time I found him, God had melted my heart. Now I'm doing something I want to do. And I told that fellow, I said, I apologize the way I acted. I should not have no right to act that way, any way whatsoever. And I want to ask you to forgive me. Now here I am construction worker. They don't do stuff like that on construction jobs. If you've ever done construction work, you know that's not something that goes on. And that fellow, it touched him. And he forgave me. And from that point on, when he came on that job, he came and talked to me before he'd even go see about his men. Now, folks, what I'm telling you is this. We can't lay these things down. Why? Because mercy and truth has so much to do with our character. Truth is a character kind of quality. Are we a person of the truth? A lot of, a lot of times this thing of not being truthful gets to be a habit for people when they're young. Let me tell you something, young people. Whoever you are, older people as well, but young people especially. If you have got a habit of not telling the truth, you need to begin to lay that down now and get that out of your character and believe God today to take care of that and to, and to, and to overcome that and get that character flaw patched up to where that when you speak, you speak the truth or you don't speak at all. It's a character thing. And we don't need to lay it down. We need to walk in that. Well, oh, I got the favor of God. But let me tell you what I saw last night. I saw a herd of elephants out in my backyard. There's 100,000 of them, I bet you.
Bind them about your neck. Join together with it. Get mercy. Get truth. Join together with it and write it on your heart. Get it, the Word of God in there and write it on your heart. Record. Record. Say, I'm going to be a truthful person regardless of whatever it takes, regardless of the hurt. I'm going to be truthful. When our son Matt got to be 12 years old, he was having a lot of trouble along this line. And I said to him one day, I said, Matt, I'm going to tell you something, son. I said this to Mark, too. And I guess Becky. I said, I'm, uh, okay. I said, I said, son, if you'll always be truthful with me about situations, if you'll always be truthful with me and square with me, then we'll work together to work it out the best we can. I still may have to give you a whipping or something like that, but it won't be near what it would be if I find it out on my own or somebody else tells me. And to my knowledge, from that day till this, that boy never told me another lie. There'd be times he wouldn't say something. He wouldn't talk, but he never told me a lie. And folks, that's the way, that's the way that we need to be before God. Because you know, if you tell me a lie, you're lying to God. If I tell you a lie, I, sure I'm lying to you, but I'm lying to God. Why? Why? My, my whole thing is not truthful, and I don't have to just tell a lie. I can live a lie. A lot of people do that. Live a lie. They're different out there than they are in here. Write them on your heart. Record it and say, from this day forth, I'm going to be a person of mercy and I'm going to be a person of truth. Then he said in verse 4, so shall thou find. That word find there means discover. And understand. And, and here's what it means. It, it means to discover and understand the benefits of being in the favor of God. The benefits of the grace of God. A lot of folks say, man, I, I, I got the grace of God. They don't even understand one dab what it means to have the grace of God. I just got it. I heard somebody say, if you got the grace of God, you got all you need. Well, what do you have in that? Uh, well, you got all you need. Well, what do you have? Uh, I get to go to heaven. Well, that's good, but what about from here to heaven? Well, you got all you need. Well, that's true. That's a true statement. What do you need? It's just like people praying so many times. People, people go to pray and their prayer is pointless. Jesus said, ask. Ask. And when He taught the Lord's Prayer, He taught them to pray, give us this day our daily bread. And people are praying, oh, what are you praying about? I'm just praying. Well, that's good. But it's not prayer. It's just worship and praise. And if you're going to pray, pray, prayer is a form of petition to Almighty God. And there needs to be a purpose involved in it. And we need to understand that. That's what we're doing tonight, folks. Understand that. But here's the thing about it. People say, oh, I got the favor of God. And in their mind, the favor of God is nothing more than a Cadillac and a big house and a pontoon boat. Now, I believe pontoon boats are in the favor of God pretty well. And I'm going to get in it one of these days. I'm going to get over in that, that favor one of these days of that. But anyhow, but, but that's to a lot of people, that's all it is. But folks, let me tell you something. It's like I said to begin with, the favor of God means that I have in learning and receiving the ability and the benefits of overcoming the things in this life so that I can shine for Jesus Christ 
not just shine for me. You see that? So he said you'll find understanding about this. But you've got to look for it. You've got to do some searching for it. It don't happen just because you wake up in the morning or because you write your name down on something. Good understanding. Good understanding. That's discretion and knowledge and wisdom and in the sight of God and man. You'll be known for these things. People look at you and say, there's a person that's in the favor of God. They're in the will of God. They understand some things about God. Their life shines for God. And Jesus said, do your works before men, or let your light shine before men, that they may see your good works, that they may see you walking in the favor of God, that they may see you functioning in the grace of God, and glorify your Father which is in heaven. That's people doing that because that I'm walking and functioning and what I know and what I understand and the freedom that I have. I got just a few more verses in Proverbs and I just want to bring these up to you. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 34 and 35. Proverbs, the book of wisdom. Chapter 8 is the main verse of I mean, is the main chapter of wisdom, I believe, in the book of Proverbs. You ought to read it sometime and read it. I like it in the King James Version to read it whatever translation you want to. I like to read it in the King James Version because there's some things that I see in there and I understand. And it talks about how that wisdom, talking about wisdom, wisdom gives you so much. Wisdom was there when God created the earth. Wisdom was involved in all of these things. Wisdom is, is there's, Gold and rubies and diamonds with wisdom. With wisdom is knowledge of witty inventions and so many things that talk about wisdom. But then as you look in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30, that's okay, it says that Christ is made unto us. Wisdom. Wisdom. And here in Proverbs chapter 8, it says, Blessed is the man that heareth me, watching daily at my gates. This is wisdom talking. This is Jesus talking waiting at the post of my doors, for whosoever findeth me findeth life and shall obtain favor of the Lord. Wisdom. The, the, uh, the ability to take facts and knowledge and, and, and understanding and put it together and form a life and live in that life. And it's Jesus. We're to live the life of Jesus. We're to love the unlovable. We're to care for the outcast. We're to lift up the downtrodden. We're to minister grace to the ungrateful. Folks, live the life that Jesus taught us how to live. That's the favor of God as we do that. Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 15. In the light of the king's countenance is life. And his favor is as a cloud of the latter rain. His favor is a cloud. The latter rain. You, you've heard that, haven't you? All the days of the latter rain. I'm looking for the latter rain. I'm looking for that last day outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Some say that we're in that now in certain areas, but it talks about how that this outpouring of the Holy Spirit will cover the earth. And, and it will be the, the complete fulfilling of Joel chapter 2 that in the last days I'll pour out my Spirit upon all flesh upon your sons and your daughters, and, and they'll prophesy. And your uh, young men will have dreams, and your old men will see visions. And, and he said, and, and on my servants and my handmaidens will I pour out my spirit in those days. 
And that's the latter rain. The latter rain is part of the favor of God. God wants to do something special for His church. Jesus wants to do something special for His body in these last days. And I believe that special thing is the anointing of the Holy Spirit and the power of God to where it will be like what I talked about earlier at Azusa Street. It will be like it was at the day of Pentecost, folks. And when I talk about those things, I'm not trying to start over. I just want to see the continuation and the fulfilling of what God has promised us. Proverbs 18.22. This is a verse that's written mainly to men, but it's for all of us. Whosoever findeth a wife findeth a good thing and obtaineth favor of the Lord. Good wife. A good husband. How you treat your spouse is going to determine how well you walk in the favor of God. See, over in, in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, I believe it is. He said, talking about husbands and wives, wives submitting to the husband. And it says in this verse, it says, And you husbands dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, that your prayers be not hindered. What would cause, why, why would my prayers be hindered? Because I'm not walking in the favor that God's given me. If I'm in the favor of God and everything's just all right, then God, God's obligated to hear me anyway and ever how I pray. No, no, no. If I'm not dealing right with my wife, and she's not dealing right, right with me, our prayers is, not, is going to be hindered. If we're not walking together and agreeing together and moving together, folks, then we're not experiencing the favor of God in our home and in our life. And there's, then there arises an obligation of me as the head of the house to recognize that and get it reconciled with her and with God so that when we pray, we see things happen according to the favor of Almighty God. A husband or a wife it's a good thing. A good thing. And I can say this, in 47 years, I've never felt like my wife was a bad thing or that she was a curse that God placed me with. One other thing, Proverbs 19, verse 22. You're going to like this. The king's wrath is as the roaring of a lion, but his favor is as dew upon the grass. I like this because, listen, when I understand the favor of God, you know when the dew falls, that it refreshes the vegetation that it falls on? Did y'all know that? Back when we had the drought last year, when there would be dew in the early morning times, you could see that the vegetation was stretching up and receiving all of that and it was refreshing. It was refreshing. Folks, I'm going to tell you, there's refreshing in the favor of God. And when you get over in that and walk in the favor of God and allow His favor in your life, then it's refreshing to you. Every day is refreshing to you. His mercies are new every morning. And so His enjoying and experiencing His favor is new every morning also. Refreshing. That's the reason the psalmist said, He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He refreshes my soul. But why? Because around that water as it lay still and the winds lay still, then the, the dew would come and fall upon that vegetation and the next morning it would be so green 
and lush. It showed a refreshing. And, and the psalmist said that he refreshes me. He restores me just like that. That's the favor of God. But one other thing that the dew does. This is something I learned many years ago. The dew does not only refresh the vegetation, but it also cleans and filters the air around it. Did you know that? The dew and rains and things like that, but the dew every morning is part of God filtering the air, part of His filtration system. I learned that many years ago whenever I was in California and going to go to work for Rainbow Vacuum Cleaner Company. They work with water. If any of y'all ever had that, you know. And they taught us that. That just as, as the dew refreshes every day. I know uh, in the wintertime, when it's hunting season, I like to, from time to time, take my hunting clothes and hang them out on the back deck and let the night come in with that dew and all. And then the sun come out and, and it uh, dries that up and the freshness of those clothes that hadn't been washed in a month. But there's a freshness to them. Ain't that right, Pat? Pat taught me that. And so, so listen. What I'm saying is this. In God's favor, there's forgiveness for anything that may be in your life. In His favor. Thank you. Oh, isn't that wonderful? Mm. In His favor is forgiveness. In His favor is grace. In His favor is restoring and refreshing everything that you need this morning. It's healing in His glory. So there's healing in His favor. There's deliverance in His favor. There's power in His favor. Everything that you and I need, God's favor is providing it. And in His Word, we find out how to appropriate that in our life. Y'all stand with me.